0: thanks for joining us today on the forward church irvington podcast if you love god can you just give him a hand one more time you say man you sure do make us clap a lot i know i'm pentecostal i don't like it being quiet but listen before i get started too much into this Uh, I do want to take two seconds to talk to you about the internship program. It's just very near and dear to my heart, and I have the mic, and so I can do what I want. Uh, You can technically take it out of my preaching time, so it's just fine. Uh, But listen, the internship is very important around here. You say, Pastor Brennan, what is it? If you've been through Next Steps, and you're already plugged into our church, and you're already connected, and you already are serving, but you just feel that call to do more, you feel that call to be a leader, maybe you feel called into ministry, no matter what the case This internship kind of takes you that step beyond just serving. If you want to go uh, the step beyond just serving, then this is the class for you. We dive into a little bit more of the church administration, how things operate, how things work. Uh, We dive in a little bit deeper with spiritual growth uh, because that's important. Amen. Who who thinks spiritual growth is important? Anybody? Nobody? Okay. Listen, I'll preach through it all. It's fine. But listen. If you're interested in this, you can come see me or if you have the church center app, you can go sign up on there and I will send you some more information on that. But it's important. We're still accepting people for this week. This will be the last week that we'll probably be accepting people into our fall program. So make sure you get plugged in. If you want to turn in your Bible to Joshua's chapter 6. I will try my best to expedite this. Uh, I say try my best because, listen, you're listening to the backup preacher. I don't get very much time to preach, so I'm going to just have fun, take my liberty and preach as long as I want to. I'm just kidding. Laugh, people. It's okay to laugh in the church. I really will. I'll try to expedite this as much as possible uh, without uh, discrediting the word of the Lord today. Joshua chapter 6, if you'll stand for the reading of the word, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you have men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. We're going to jump down to verse 20 for the sake of time. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. I'm excited this morning to share with you a message titled, Tearing Down. The walls. Will you pray for me? Father, we're thankful today. Father, I'm thankful for this opportunity to come and to fulfill this platform today. Father, I do not take it lightly, Father, that I've been asked to to shepherd the flock today. Father, I would pray that you would hide me behind your cross today. Father, that you would give me the words and the wisdom of what to say and what not to say. Father, I pray not only that you would open up my ears, Father, that I would hear from you, that, Father, you would open up the ears of your people, Father, that they may hear from you today. Father, I pray that you are going before us. Even now, Father, preparing the walls, Father, to fall in this service. Father, we'll be quick to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, walls will fall. Listen, before I get into my launching point uh, of today's sermon, I need to lay a quick foundation for you. Because if I do not, then you will probably think that I am misleading you, that I am trying to steer you in the wrong direction, and we just can't have that. Amen? So I need to lay a quick foundation. First and foremost, I need you to realize the power of your voice. I need you to understand today, Proverbs 18 and 21 says this, life and death is in the power of of the tongue. I've quoted the scripture a lot here recently, ever since I've read it, it's just been a scripture that has kind of nicked my heart. Because what we have to understand, no matter what we think of the words coming out of our mouth, the simple truth is either them words hold life in them or they hold death in them. Your spoken word matters. If you don't really believe me, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture really quick. You can try to keep up or I'll just print them off later. Proverbs 21 and 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I could just end right there. That, that's, that scripture alone is, is reason enough to shout, and we would help ourselves out a lot. Matter of fact, I'll just read it one more time in case you skipped it. Proverbs 21 and 3, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I've gotten myself in a lot of trouble sometimes for opening my mouth when I should have just done what the scripture told me to do. Amen. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up Anger. Isaiah 55 and 11 says, So shall my word be that goes out from the mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Proverbs 16 and 24 says, Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And then Matthew 12 and 36 says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word. They see uh, some translations would say idle, Words. I want to talk to you for a moment, even about that scripture, because Miss Rosa done a, a dre- excellent job in staff devotion several weeks ago talking about this scripture, and I really had no idea that I was going to add it to here. But that devotion spoke so much to me that I just really had to add it here because we have to understand the Bible literally says even your careless words, even those words that you speak when you don't think that no one's around, when you don't think that no one's listening. Let's just be honest. It's a lot of time, those words that we're probably mumbling about, those words that we say under our breath, guess what? They still carry weight in the kingdom. You say, Pastor Brandon, how is that? How is it possible that my words matter that much? I had someone come up to me after service today, and I'll use their illustration that they put, because it was way better than anything I could have come up with. You can write your own sermons. Amen. Listen, laugh. It's Okay. In Genesis 1, God spoke and everything was created because He spoke everything into existence and then we were created in the very image of God. So that same power, that same might works in us. It's why we see in Isaiah 53, we always quote the famous scripture that He was bruised for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. By our stripes we were healed. But the very next scripture always spoke to me, especially at a young age because the very next scripture goes on to say that like a lamb led to the slaughter, Jesus opened not his mouth. And as a kid, I always wondered, reading that scripture, why for one did they put that in the Bible? Why was that so important that that is what the prophet Isaiah wrote? And then, as I'll be honest, as, as I was trying to digest it, I was like, are they trying to just paint this picture of Jesus as this weak person that, that, that just kept his mouth shut while he was going to the cross? But that is not the case. As I began to study, as I began to look more into this, Jesus knew very well that he had to keep his mouth shut during this time because if he would have spoken... There was armies in heaven waiting for the very breath, waiting for the very command to say, come help me, to come rescue me. And Jesus knew very well the weight of his words would carry if he opened his mouth. Yet he let, like a lamb led to the slaughter, he kept his mouth shut so that way he could bear the cross For me and you. Jesus himself understood the importance of just uttering something that he may not have intended. His flesh may have caught up with him and just said, God, take this away from me. And at that moment, angels would have rescued him. But Jesus knew that he wanted to remain silent, he wanted to carry the weight of the cross. You say, Pastor Brandon, why are you saying all this? We're talking about walls falling. Because before I can get into the main point of this scripture today or this story, I need you to understand the power that your voice carries. Your voice has power. You have life and death in the tongue. But can I tell you today in the story of Jericho, it was not the shout that brought the walls down that day. And a lot of times, and I know you say, Pastor Brandon, what, what are you talking about? You have said it from your own self. I know. And I apologize for steering you in the wrong direction. Because it was not the shout that day that brought the walls of Jericho down. You say, well, Pastor Brandon, if it wasn't the shout, what was it? It was obedience to Christ. Obedience to God. You say, Pastor Brandon, really? That's, that's what brought the walls down? yes. If you think obedience is not important to God, then I would ask Jonah. When we get to heaven, ask Jonah how important obedience is to God and why he had to spend three days in the belly of a whale. When you get to heaven, ask Moses why he never got to see the promised land. Because obedience matters to God. But it would make a lot of Pentecostals upset this morning that the shout did not bring the walls down. It upset me. When I, when I had this revelation, when I began to study this out over two months ago in my devotion time, that what do you mean it wasn't the shout? I am Pentecostal through and through. I will shout with the best of them. There is nothing that makes me happier than when I have nothing to do in a service. I don't have to narrate it. I don't have to moderate it. I don't have to preach. And I can just get lost in the altars. What do you mean it was not the shout? God had already ordained the walls to fall. We can go back and I can read to you the entire Joshua chapter 6 instead of just that first part. But God gave them very specific instructions on what was going to bring the walls down. It was that obedience to that plan. It was the walking in that plan that brought the walls down. The shout was literally just praise on credit. You say, Pastor Brandon, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I, I think my shout is more powerful than that. I need you to understand your shout is a weapon. That's why I opened up with, with telling you how important your mouth is. But to be honest with you, we have to get past just the shout. You say, Pastor Brandon, why, what do you mean? Why do you have to get past the shout? Because I am afraid. If you ask Pastor Brandon what, what worries him the most in church culture today, it is that we are raising church people. We are raising a generation that knows how to shout on the Sunday. We know how to shout on the seventh day. But we have no idea how to walk with him the other six days. And we, we forfeit the right. We never walk around the walls. We never we never want to talk with him for the other six days. But yeah, we want to show up on the seventh day when we're in the air-conditioned building and we want to lift up our hands and we want to shout and please hear me there's nothing wrong with that but don't you dare get upset at my God and don't you dare start getting mad at my God when walls don't come crumbling down at your feet when all you did was show up on one day ready to worship Him God is after people that is obedient to Him that are still willing to walk with Him around a mountain or around the walls and it may seem so trivial it may seem like there's no hope in this they're saying Pastor Brandon why do I have to walk this walking gets tired It is because obedience to God still matters. Your walk with Christ matters more than just a shout this morning. I am not trying to belittle your shout. Matter of fact, I'm just trying to give your shout more of a weapon than what it actually is. In 1 Samuel 4, we find a story. The Israelites and the Philistines, they're at battle. This is after David and Goliath. They're back fighting. The the Israelites and the Philistines, they're they're here fighting. And the Israelites, God's people, in case you don't understand what side that we're on, we're on the Israelite side. Laugh. It's okay, people. It's okay. Y'all just got to bear with me. They're losing. The Philistines are winning. And you say, what? How dare God's people lose? God will put you in some tough situations to teach you a lesson. We'll just leave that there. But the Israelites were losing. Somebody got a smart idea. They said, wait a minute. We're losing. We're about to lose this battle. Where is the Ark of the Covenant? where is the embodiment of Christ? You have to go, and I'm not trying to go back and and teach you what the Ark of the Covenant is, but you have to understand that the Ark of the Covenant in Old Testament times was a representation that the Spirit, that God was with His people. And so somebody ran back, To grab the Ark of the Covenant. They didn't pray about it. They didn't consult God. They didn't ask God if this was his will or if this was his way. They just knew that it worked before. That the Ark of the Covenant brought the walls of Jericho down. Surely it must still have that same power. And they ran after this Ark of the Covenant. And they brought it to the battlefield. Once it arrived at the battlefield, 1 Samuel 4 and 5 says this, When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Once the presence of God got there, once the Ark of the Covenant arrived, the people felt so empowered, they felt so embodied, that they began to let out this great shout, so much so that the earth shook. Shook. You say, well, Pastor Brandon, look at there. That is the power of the shout. But God did not ordain this. God never ordained for them to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the battlefield. God never told them to shout. And so what you find out here is that the Philistines, for two seconds probably, give me some liberty here, got scared. They got scared at the thought of the shout. Your enemy this morning, when you were in your time of your praise and your worship, it was scared for a moment. It was scared. Your wall in your life was scared for a moment when you lifted up your hands and you began to worship. Your enemy was scared for a moment in time when it thought that it lost. But then it came to the realization that you were just going through the motions. That you had no authority behind it. That you had no real intention of worshiping. And that you were just lifting your hands to be doing it. And all of a sudden the Philistines found out real quick that God was not with them. That it was all an illusion. That it was all just a trick. And the Philistines went And they destroyed the Israelites and they captured the Ark of the Covenant. They lost the very presence of God because they thought there was power in their shouting. They thought that there was power in just coming in there. Oh, we have the presence. We have this shout. We have all this that looks good. Surely we will win. But God's taught them a very important and very critical lesson in that moment. Unless I say it, it is not going to happen. Unless I speak it, unless I have ordained it, then it all is for naught. And so much I hurt in my heart a lot of times because I feel the same thing happens to Christian people. We begin to to do things that we think are okay and we think that we're doing the right way. And please hear my heart, come to church, shout, do all those things. But it is truly the heart behind those things that matter. If you have not had a relationship with Christ the other six days, can I tell you, your problem on Sunday should not be coming to shout. It should be coming to an altar to pray to get that relationship back with Him. We cannot live the way that we want to live six days out of the week. Come in here on the seventh day and act like everything is okay. And then we wonder, and this is, please hear my heart, I'm not mad, I'm not upset, I am trying my best to help you. I want you to have the ability and I want you to have the power to tear down the walls in your life. But I oftentimes get text messages and people, they come and they talk to me and they say, Pastor Brandon, I just have this problem. and I just have this thing and and it's just so big in my life and I can't do anything about it. And I start to talk with them and it's so crazy how many times you find out that the only time that they've ever prayed about it was on a Sunday morning. Where is the commitment? Where is the relationship? Where is the obedience to the Christ who made us? We come in on Sundays and shout. And then we have the audacity to get mad at God for when the walls are still standing. And God is just begging us and He's looking at us and saying, I will take care of them walls if you would simply walk in what I have told you to walk in. But we think our way is better. We think that our ways are are higher than His ways. What I'm really talking about today is really a word that a lot of Pentecostals have forgotten about. And it's the word holiness. And that'll suck all the air out of the room. I should have titled this, I should have left this under the Hot Topics Summer Series. It probably would have went over really better. Under the Hot Topics, you would have known that it was going to be rough. Could you say, Pastor Brandon, holiness, really? You're going to get up there and you're going to talk to me about being holy and what holiness is. First, let me tell you, I can get on my own soapbox. I'm going to be very careful right here not to. Holiness is not just some weird church term. It is not, and let me just say this, and I'm going to try to say this without offending you. Please hear my heart. Holiness is way more to deal with your lifestyle than it does your fashion style. If you hear the word holiness and your mind specifically goes to a certain way that you have to dress, a certain way that you have to look, that word that you're looking for is called modesty. It should make a comeback too along with holiness, but it's two totally separate things. Holiness. I know, this is why they don't let me preach very often. I love y'all. Holiness. What is it, Pastor Brandon, then? It is simply being separated for God. It is, that, it is how we get the scriptures of being in this world, but not being of this world. It is how I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil. It is because I am different. This world has nothing to offer me. I am set apart. I am holy. People ask me all the time, Pastor Brandon, how do you just walk around like everything is all good? Please follow me around more often, as i got to tell you, because I promise you five minutes later you'll find out that that's not true. But the ability of that rests in the fact that you know that this world is going to pass away. This world has nothing for me to offer, but I am going to walk holy. I am going to separate myself. And when you walk like that, when you walk in that much communion and that much of a relationship with Christ, you act differently salvation brings about a change in your life or it should ought to. That's a different story for a different day. I won't get on that. Salvation should be the immediate change in your life of, of God doing the marvelous work of you making heaven your home. But words like sanctification, words like holiness, we have forgotten to teach people how to separate themselves of the world. Salvation, holiness, church is more than just a Sunday experience. It is walking with him six days out of the week. Seventh day is just a celebration of what you have already experienced. Experience in your life that week. How dare we belittle God to two hours on a Sunday morning? I opened up with the foundation that our voice has power because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm talking to you about today. Your voice does have power, your shout does have power, but it lacks authority without Christ. James 4 and 7 says submit yourselves therefore to God and then resist the devil and he will flee. If there was not a precursor to that, then anyone could resist the devil and he will flee. But the Bible says no, you must submit yourself to God. You must be in communion with him. You must be in relationship with him. And then and only then do you have the authority to exercise Jesus' authority and say I resist you devil. Let me offer you some freedom in the house today. If you are finding that you have, are, are, are having a problem with the devil attacking you and you've tried and tried and tried for, to resist him and he does not flee, then I'm, hear me and I say this with love, submit yourself more. God is trying to show you that you are not fully submitted to Him. How do you you know that, Brandon? Because the Word does not lie. So therefore, if I know I have submitted myself fully, then the devil himself has no opinion on the matter, and he has no choice. When I speak, he must flee. Matthew 17 and 20 says, If you have faith as a mustard seed, You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved, and nothing will be impossible for you. But here, again, it opens up with a precursor. It doesn't just say anybody can speak to the mountain. If that's the case, everybody would be living the high life. It is the faith, not even a lot the faith of a mustard seed, the faith that it takes for you to form that relationship with Christ, that you have the power and that you have the authority to do the things that we are called to do. Here in Matthew 17, when Jesus is giving us this famous verse, he is training his disciples because they have prayed for a demon-possessed man to no avail. Now hear me because this is where I really kind of want to hit home and hone in for a moment on. These disciples were already working miracles. They were already doing the great signs and the wonders that they have been called to do. But all of a sudden, they find themselves praying for a demon-possessed man and nothing happening. These people who walked with Jesus, these people who had a relationship with him, could not cast the demon out. Why? Because no matter how close you think you are to God, there is always a new depth. There is always a closer ability. And Jesus here teaches them this. This kind, he says, only comes through prayer and fasting. No, only is it okay to walk with God. That's what the disciples were doing. The disciples were, were walking with God. They were in communion with Him. They were in fellowship with Him. But Jesus says that also is not enough. There is still another level of authority. There is still another level of spiritual authority that you must accomplish, and that is a prayer life and a life of fasting. And it is when we do those things that the walls begin to fall. You say, Pastor Brandon, oh, you finally get back to it. Yes, this is where it comes full circle. Can I tell you, it is not the shout. It is not the shout that brought the walls down, but when you submit to God and you walk with him and you pray to him and you fast and you push the plate back and you get serious with him, then every wall in your life will come crumbling down. And that is a promise. That is not an opinion on the matter. Pastor Brandon. how can you be so sure with that? Because 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You have the ability to pull them down when you get into a relationship with Christ. How do we tear down the walls of divorce, of alcoholism, of addiction, of all the walls that Satan has put up in our life? How do we take care of them all? By submitting to the will of the Father. By submitting to His plan. Because His plan is better than my plan. Really quick. I won't take as long as I did earlier service to do this. It is really my testimony. In 2017, my life was miserable. My life was was terrible. I can't even begin to tell you how miserable it was. And I'll just be honest and open in this room. You can judge me if you want to, come talk to me. But the wall of divorce was in my life. The love of my life the one who I had married at such a young age, we were contemplating on the decision, is it even worth moving forward? Is it even worth continuing to do this? And my life began to be in more of a turmoil and I can talk to you about that entire year and how miserable of a year it was. But I found myself at the end of 2017 in my bedroom, crying my eyes out because I had nothing left to say. But I remember at least thinking it. I may have said it out loud, but I know I at least prayed it to God. God, I will do what you want me to do if you'll make it all better. Because I had ran from the calling that God had placed on my life. I knew at the age of 13 that I was called to preach and I wanted nothing to do with it. I ran so hard from that calling and in 2017 God said I'm about to get your attention your will your way is about to lead to destruction your plan your will over your life you can go make all this money you can do all this but you're not gonna have a family you're gonna come home to an empty house every night you're this is your will or you can simply submit to mine. It was an easy choice for me. I loved my wife. I loved my kid. I did not want to lose them. So I said, God, whatever you want, I submit to you. And I would love to tell you I woke up from there and everything was great. It wasn't. But brick by brick, Brick by brick, God started tearing down the walls that Satan had put up. And I would love to tell you, and there are times, and I believe there are going to be times today, that the entire wall would come crashing down, because that makes a great story. It makes a great story when the whole city of Jericho comes crashing down right then. But where's the faith in that? Where is the wall? Where is the communion? But if you would begin to circle your wall, if you begin to walk the perimeters, and you would begin to submit to the wheel, and you begin to submit to the prayer, and you would begin to submit to the fasting, can I tell you, that is truly how you tear down walls in your life. I'm sorry, If I've ever misled you to think it was as easy as shouting. Some walls are hard to tear down. Some walls the devil himself has put up. And it takes a mighty move of Jesus to tear them down. But can I tell you, He is here. He is able. Freedom reigns in this place. Jesus reigns in this place to tear them all down. Pastor Brandon, it's complicated. It's so hard. It's actually not. I want to end today with teaching you something you learned probably at your very first day of Sunday school. Matthew 6 and 9. The disciples asked Jesus how they should pray. And He simply said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That one simple prayer every morning, every evening in your life will start chipping away. Every brick, every wall. God, remove my will. God, remove this obstacle that I have put up. So I can walk in your will. Jesus himself had to pray this prayer. Lest you think you are better than Jesus. Jesus himself found himself having to pray this simple prayer. He was in the garden praying and his flesh was so distraught. His mind so Filled with, with this fleshly thoughts of what was coming next. And yes, I understand I'm not trying to belittle what Jesus is going through at this moment but He is a very Son of God and He knows everything that is about to happen to Him. How bad would that be for us to know that we were flesh? To know that our body was so brittle that we would have to feel the pain. But also being the Son of God, knowing very well exactly what laid in front of Him. And Jesus' own body, and i to be honest with you, I don't even think He had control over it. Because I, know, I just, my own opinion, I don't think Jesus ever wavered in His decision to go to the cross. But what we find here in this moment is that the flesh is coming up with so much around him. His flesh, his own physical body is turning against him. What gets him through this moment? What gets him past this wall that Satan has put up between him and the cross? It was not some big prayer. It was not some just throw me down prayer from Jesus it was a simple prayer God not my will but your will be done in this situation when you begin to pray that prayer and get serious about that prayer no wall will stand a chance in your life yes hear me and hear me good you will have the walls that is Satan's tricks that is Satan's plans But you will have all authority to stand up, not wavering, not wondering if this wall is going to fall. You will sit there with your head held high and your shoulders back and say, wall, come down. Thanks again for joining us on the Forward Church Podcast. We hope today's message was a blessing to you. If you'd like more information, you can check us out on Facebook or at forwardchurchonline.com.